This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey guys, welcome in to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Alongside Mike Evans, I'm Mark Schlereth, along with Scott DeHub, producing the show. Want to uh, thank the great folks over at Superbook, America's Best Bet. Also, um, Monarch Meds. Check it out, monarchmeds.com. Um, check out their relief spray. Enter the code STINK at checkout, S-T-I-N-K. The relief spray and cream, I've been using it now for weeks. I'm telling you what, huge difference makers. It's like uh, biofreeze on uh, on uh, CBD roids. How about that? It's awesome. So, um the relief cream and the relief spray at monarchmeds.com, if you would be so kind. Inner code STINK for 20% discount and free shipping. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I've um, kind of planned this podcast out. Have you now? Yes. It's going to be the All W podcast. All W. All Ws. Oh, you'll see where I'm going okay. at. Okay. All, all right. right. All right. All right. Let, all us, right. Uh, let us start with the release of J.J. Watt, mm. who asked for... He asked for his release and got it. Okay, so let me get this straight in Houston. J.J. Watt just asked for his release. A year ago, he fought back from a peck injury, right, to play in the playoffs? Then a year ago, the Houston Texans won a playoff game, I believe, against Buffalo, and then had like a 20-point lead against Kansas City only to be you know, swallowed up by the Patrick Mahomes magic. Now everybody wants out? This is a year later. A year later. How how messed up is Cal McNair in that organization? Unbelievable. Well, let me just let me just tell you about JJ Watt. I I I like I chuckled when he was first drafted. Not I didn't chuckle at J.J. Watt, but I was like, at the time, if you remember, go back all the way back, Wade Phillips, the, the, one of the most respected guys in football. Wade Phillips was a D coordinator, D coordinator then, and he said in his rookie year after the draft that, that J.J. Watt was going to be a Hall of Famer. And I was like, okay, Wade, let's pump our brakes. You know, if J.J. Watt, now he'll go somewhere and play, chase a ring, he deserves it. If J.J. Watt was re- to retire today, he is a Hall of Famer. Yes. And I will tell you this. Um, First ballot? I, I, Me personally, yes, absolutely. So, you know, I played back in the day, Mike. I played against Reggie White, Jerome Brown. I played against uh, uh, Warren Sapp, Cortez Kennedy, John Randall. Um, Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor. I mean... It's a who's who. Mm-hmm. It's a cavalcade of great players. Now, Reggie White would go up and down the line of scrimmage. You know, you break the huddle sometimes. like you Because Reggie White was always lined up wide over the uh, right tackle. 
And so your back would be to the, you know, your back would be the line of scrimmage. You're calling a play in the huddle, you know, and the quarterback gets in there and goes, all right, you know, like um, trips right, you know, he's going to give you trips right, and we're going to run this, uh, you know, 50 gut, you know, da, 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 whatever, right? So you're in there, your back's to the line of scrimmage, and bam, you go, ready, break. And you turn around, and Reggie White's standing over where you line up. And then it trickles down your leg a little bit. You're like, <laughs> why? And like, Because he go up and down the line of scrimmage, right. right? And the big thing for us was always, when he came inside, let's beat the shit out of him. So hope he doesn't want to come inside anymore, right? Like, just like, hey, man, we may not, this may not even be a good play, right. but let's just try to beat the shit out of him. Like, pile drive him, double team, you know? So, anyhow, long story short, you break the huddle and you'd be like, I mean, whimpering, like, <laughs> What did I do? <laughs> what did I do? Why did you Like, anyhow, long story short, there's always guys like Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp was, and Warren Sapp would probably tell you this, Warren Sapp was a better player over left guard than he was over right guard. And they bounced back and forth, right? And so... A lot of those defenses that that will bounce back and forth based on strength will say, "Hey, we're going to play a, you know, an over front or an under front, but we want like a guy like Sap to be the three technique, and we have a three and a one technique. So we'll be in a a weak like a twenty five front, which means twenty five front, which means you have a one shade over the center, which means you're just on the outside eye of the center. Then Warren Sap would be the three technique, which is the outside." eye of the left guard if you're in a right-handed formation and then you know you'd have a defensive end that's outside eye of the of the offensive tackle and then the will linebacker would be you know kind of splitting the difference between the defensive end and the and the three technique Warren Sapp and so because teams especially back in my day teams were probably 85 percent 80 percent right-handed so that they would line up with a tight end on the end of the line of scrimmage, and you know you'd be in a strong right formation or a weak right formation, or but you were always almost, you know, like I said, eighty percent of the time you were in a right formation, seventy percent of the time you were in a right-handed formation, and so if you got into a left formation, then boom, Warren Sapp would flip-flop, and he'd be over the right guard instead of left guard. Warren Sapp was a much better pass rusher and player over the left guard. Because most guys have a favorite side, right. okay? So that's just kind of how it works. So when you get guys that flip-flop, there's always a guy that has his preferred side. J.J. Watt, in my estimation, playing against guys like Reggie White, um, studying the game for his, you know, playing it for 12 years and and then being an analyst for the last 20-whatever years, J.J. Watt there has no equal in regards to being able to line up at any position up and down the line of scrimmage and dispense an ass-whipping equally. I have never seen a guy that could line up at right tackle, over the right tackle, over the right guard, over the left guard, over the left tackle, and dispense justice equally. Like, like there was... Never, not that's, not to that degree. That's high praise, considering right. the people you played against. Right. Well, I just have never seen a guy be that fluid over every position. Like, it didn't matter what side you were on. Um, now, he spent mo- most of his time, he spent, you know, as a left D and a left D tackle over the right side of the line of scrimmage. But like I said, I've just never seen a guy that was that equally gifted on each side. Like, um, 
you know, like some guys in the NFL will call that being amphibious. Amphibious, yeah. yes, a- yes. Ambidextrous, obviously. Yes. So, yes. I mean, yes. I, I just uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I mean, th- at this point, it'd be cool to pay with your brother in, in Pittsburgh, right? Or brother. Are both his brothers brothers? But it is uh, what what? Because I don't I don't think of Pittsburgh in being in a Super Bowl window right now. So, are you chasing a ring? Well, so a team. Wait a minute, a team that started eleven and zero. I know, you don't but see them as a, a Super Bowl dude, contender. They were going eleven and zero, and you and I each week were going. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah, that's true. They're the the most. I, I, that's it's, it's a strong word to use. I don't know if this is fair, but it was kind of like they're the most fraudulent eleven and zero team I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, right. So. If you, it, it, what's important? Does he want to go chase a ring? I, I would think he'd want to go chase the ring. It's the one thing that's missing. But who knows? Maybe go play f- with his brothers is 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 more important. And you hope that Pittsburgh, you know, can still make another run at it. So it it wouldn't surprise me either either one of those scenarios. But I think it'd I be think, one of those two scenarios. You know, we always talk about destination spots. Destination, like like to me, there's probably. If you're cha- and I, I have to believe that he's chasing a ring. And I'm with you. I think Pittsburgh on the AFC hierarchy is is low man on the totem pole. Like they're a playoff team, but they're probably not a contending playoff team. So I would have to think if you're JJ Watt and you've had a Hall of Fame career, you've made a hundred million plus dollars, you just want a chance at a ring. There's Three or four destination spots. Okay, let me see if I can guess them. Okay. Kansas City. Yeah, number one. Tampa. Yes. And one more? One more. Ooh. Um. Well, he's a Wisconsin guy. Green Bay? Yeah. Okay. Those, are, those would be off the top of my head. There's probably one. There'd probably be one more that you would look at and say they've got a chance. Maybe but- a Buffalo. I'm not quite ready to go there no. yet. Baltimore? Baltimore would be interesting. Baltimore would be really interesting. He'd look good in that uniform. Oh, yeah, he would. We'd be scary there. Yeah. But, but I wouldn't be surprised if Brady's already called him. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. From his hospital bed where he's having a minor <laughs> knee surgery, right? Yeah, right. My, oh, right. Right. I forgot about the minor knee surgery. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was in a hospital bed still getting his uh, B12 uh, booster shot after the other, <laughs> after the, the boat parade. After the drunk, uh, the drunk, <laughs> the fest. drunk fest. Well, hey, man, right. get your load on, Brady. Yeah. Get your, look, you know what? Go for it. Just since we, since we, since we like, kind of went all out of the lines here for a second, yeah. I, I, w- I would just say since we're, you know, coloring outside the lines. Has that guy become more likable? See, here's my here's my scenario for Brady. Like I'm watching the Super Bowl. My wife has hated Tom Brady uh, for as long as I can remember. Like one of the arch nemesis of the nemesi of the Denver Broncos. She hates oh the cheating and the this that. The, I mean, it's always she's always been on. She is yelling at the TV screen. Uh, at Tony Romo and Jim Nance, you guys are praising Kansas City too much. Tom Brady's going to win this thing. I'm rooting for Tom. Like, he has just become all of a sudden this likable figure. Like, he left. So here's here here's how I would, uh, just off the top of my head, this just popped into my head. So you know how I am. I just get flighty, right? So this is what I'm thinking. He, for 20 years, he was part of the evil empire. He was on that Death Star thing. He was Darth Vader 
on the Death Star. And all of a sudden, he traveled south, he left the Death Star, traveled south, and he became Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Like, yeah. he just went from Darth Vader yeah. to Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Like, people love him. And people love the fact that they had to help him out of the out of the boat dock <laughs> drunk. You know? Yeah. They're like, he's human yeah, all of a sudden. wow. He's a normal guy. He went from not being human. Yeah. From being Darth Vader to being Luke Skywalker. Yep. That's Tom Brady. That's the evolution of Brady in the matter in a matter of less than twelve months. Yep, right on. Remarkable. Yep. No, absolutely. He's 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 literally becoming likable before our very eyes. Now you always loved him. Oh, well, like was never an issue with you. No, no, but no. But I'm just Mine talking about was, the national right view of this guy. I it liked is, him. It has shifted. Yeah, There's I no liked doubt. him to the point of restraining orders. Yeah, is I how know much, that. I know that. How much right, I like him. Back to JJ Watt again. Emphasis. He asked for. Last guy out of Houston, turn out the lights, please. Which brings us to the next W, Watson. So I know that the Texans continue to say, we're not moving them. I'm sorry. I just, I can't see them going through an entire season with with Deshaun Watson as a, a malcontent. I, I at some point they move him, then it just becomes a question of 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 where. I've kind of vacillated back and forth on this. Um and he's got he's definitely got the power. You know, you brought this up the other day, the the NBA envy with NFL players and the fact that now the quarterbacks have the ability to Put their foot down and say, bullshit, I ain't doing this anymore. Trade me. And they've got enough power because you've got so much money invested in these guys, and they've already made so much. I mean, Deshaun Watson can set out the year, and it really not affect your you know, your bottom line finances. And so you've got, you finally have the leverage to dictate a lot of what you want and where you want to go. And... You know, I've gone back and forth. Oh, they'll find a way to to keep him. The overall, I think, tone deafness of the Houston Texans when it comes to Sean Watson. So I know you've had people within the front office. Uh, one guy already resigned. I know there's Easterby that seems to be a real problem area, or or at least that's what's being reported. But then you bring in you bring in a GM from New England. And his introductory press conference, hey, Deshaun Watson's our guy. You know, we don't want to lose him. Um, You know, and and we're going to sit down and have a conversation, you know, and da-da-da-da-da. And it went from Deshaun Watson to, listen, we don't have any intention of trading the player and the player this and the player that. And I'm just like, dude, let down your New England bullshit. Well, he started off by letting it down because he – Called yeah. him by his name. Yeah, but, but then, then he reverted by the back. end of it. By right. the end of it, he's talking about the player, this, and, right. and he just comes off. You just come off sounding like, like non-relational. And and the, hey, man, the world that we live in with professional athletes has changed. You know, there used to be a day like when I came up where you expected to get your ass chewed on everything, right? And there wasn't. There was a certain fear factor and everything else. Now there has become this this we're spending you know you we're spending so much money on you you've become the face of our five uh, our fortune 500 company and we're going to consult with you on everything so there's been this philosophical 
change in the way organizations structured or are structured. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You know, I'm 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 just saying it's the way it's kind of changed. And so you can't, if you're the Houston Texans, tell Deshaun Watson, here's all this money, and now you've got a voice in the way, the direction we go, and we want to consult with you, and we want to know what you think, and we want to know all this stuff, and then go 180 degrees opposite of that and not consult him on anything. Like, you, you, you can't do You can't say you're going to do it and then not do it. Well, and, and the thing about the moves is that it, it doesn't seem like there's been any olive branch extended to, to try to amend that. Because the president, Roots, he stepped down. Right. J.J. Watt asked for his release. So it does not seem like there's been any kind of shift recently to try to make good here. If anything, they're even more entrenched with going down this Easterby, Nick Casario, New England way of doing things. And people want out. The thing so that, how is this thing somehow you know, going to be rescued I, be, between the Texans and, and Deshaun Watson over the next couple of months? You know, organizational organizational arrogance, uh, to me, it, it cost the Kansas City Chiefs the potential. Now, I'm not going to take anything away from Tampa because they were awesome, okay? But it, it, certainly, it certainly added to me. Um, I called it football hubris. The fact that Tampa said, hey, you can run it on us all day long if you want to, and uh, – and Kansas City's like, absolutely not. We're not going to do that. It's not what we do here. Like, there's hubris there. To me, this Houston Texans thing, there seems to be a certain amount of football arrogance. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people have come out of New England and failed miserably when they've gotten their opportunity. You know, I'm not going to say that that O'Brien failed miserably because they were a playoff team with multiple quarterbacks and everything else. But, you know, the the Josh McDaniels of the world, the uh, the Matt Patricias of the world, there's 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 a there's um, plenty of guys over the course of their careers that have failed leaving that organization. And I think there's a certain amount of organizational arrogance that guys leave with that believe that their system and their and their attitude and their lack of communication and everything being secretive and the way we pin players down. And I think they think that that's what's created that atmosphere and that's what created all those wins. And I would I would put in there what really happened was the best player on your football team, your quarterback, allowed himself to be coached hard. He allowed himself to be chewed out. He allowed himself to be the poster child for this is the way we're going to do it. And because he allowed it, everybody else fell in the line. Well, and what, but what, let me say, what you didn't realize is it wasn't you, right? It wasn't you being a, a, an asshole. It wasn't you. It wasn't your my way or the highway, the Patriot way. It was that your quarterback allowed himself to be to be coached hard or to be dog cussed and everybody else within that organization had to fall in line. And you have 
you have given yourself credit for we built this, and in in reality, Brady is the one who actually built. Well, it. don't stop at Brady because if you want to go back to the early days of the Patriots dynasty, look at the guys that Belichick inher- inherited: Willie McGinnis, mm-hmm. Teddy Bruschi, Ty Law. I mean, these are all guys that were really, really good pros as well. So sure, and, and yes, it was Brady as well. But I would, I would argue that the the foundation was built because you had guys like that, right. Who you could coach hard, and because they were all brought in by right. Parcells. And then when Brady came there as a sixth rounder, that that's just the way it was, right? But as he became a he star, did, yes, exactly. he allowed. It to continue type, yeah. and roll for year after year after right. year. Yes, absolutely. So, but I, I would just say, be careful, Nick. What's the guy's name? Casario. Be careful about giving yourself too much credit for what happened in New England. Right. That, that and and I think I think you could you could make a case study of guys who have left there and just failed miserably because they gave themselves too much credit right. for what was going on. So you got what? Watson, mm-hmm. let's continue the W's. Russell Wilson, what the heck? You know the Seattle yes, I've inner done, workings. I've done a lot of games really well. I, I, I gotta not only from the the Wilson standpoint, but I, th- doesn't this shock you that this relationship appears to a lot of us to be as frayed as it is? It does, and it re- you know, here's the thing about about Russell is like Russell is I love Russell Wilson. I mean, I there's there's very few that I like more than I like Russell Wilson. His approach to the game, the way he prepares, the way he studies, the way he plays. Um I mean, he is he is salt of the earth. You know, when you interview the guy, when you talk to him, man, um he is all about team first. Um you know, it goes. He always talks about his father, and it wasn't about statistics. It, it was about I just want to be known as a great winner. That's all I want to be known. So, this just feels so out of character to me, Mike. It just feels like it's like nothing I've seen over the last four years calling games with Russell Wilson. Is it just is out of his character to, you know, to besmirch his organization or his offensive line or you know talk about. And you talk about the hits and and all these things. I I just I I'm I'm blown away by it, and I completely understand Seattle's frustration. You know the reports now. Pete Carroll and the organization are pissed off, yep. and I don't blame him because when you watch enough Seattle tape, I mean, I understand that he's been hit a lot. I understand that he's been sacked more than just about. Well, since he came in the league, he's been sacked more than any quarterback since his rookie year. He has been sacked 40 or more times in every year he's played. Most most of those times, 47, 48, 51 times. So this guy is routinely sacked. So I would love to see exactly how Seattle has divvied up those sacks. So when, when you play offense and every game you get a grade sheet, and so if you give up as an organization, let's say as a team, you give up three sacks. They'll assign, they'll assign, you know, the 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 fault. 
So it may be, hey, the left tackle, you know, da 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 da, or the right guard, or the left guard, or center, or whatever, or it's the tight end, or it's the tailback. You know, you're supposed to pick up this guy. You didn't get it done. That's on. That's on you. And I will tell you that there there are a lot of sacks that go on the quarterback. They go on. You held the ball too long. You're supposed to throw. So I I remember a game in Denver where Detroit came in with Matthew Stafford in Tebow's year, and and they Detroit just smoked the Broncos. And um, the Broncos had given up seven sacks in that game. If you were, you remember the game? Oh yeah. And so anyhow, the 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 general public was livid. Our offensive line stinks. They suck. This, that, and the other, you know, and blah, blah, blah. We can't protect our quarterback. And meanwhile, I'm sitting here going, dude, it had nothing to do with your offensive line. So I went and I ended up talking to a couple of the offensive linemen. Of those seven sacks, six of them were credited to Tebow in the coaches on the coaches film. Six of them. He actually took a sack. I'll never forget it. On a smokescreen. Now, a smokescreen is one step, throw it. The guy, the wide receiver steps back a yard off the ball. You throw it one step, throw it to him right now. And the offensive line is in charge of not blocking anybody and just getting a free release. So he steps back one step. Offensive line takes off. He he double clutches, decides not to throw it, and gets hit in the mouth. And I remember people going, this offensive line sucks. They didn't even block anybody. They're not, they're not responsible to block anybody. So of those seven sacks, six of them were credited to, to Tebow. Now, this was, you know, one of the offensive linemen told me this. But the bottom line is I would, I would tell you that the way Russell extends plays and holds on the ball and wants something bigger to happen than, you know, like the the old saying of you never go broke making a profit, but you know you don't get big chunk plays, you know taking little profits, right? So sometimes he'll turn a blind eye to a little to to a little play to try to hold on to it and make a big play. Now he makes a ton of them. Don't get me wrong. He's there's nobody better when it comes to broken plays. And you know I always joke around that he and Tyler Lockett went to the University of Narnia together because they are so connected when things break down. <laughs> but I I promise you. If you go back and tally up or divvy up the blame on those sacks, there are a shit ton of them that go on Russell Wilson. So 100%. if he gets sacked, nice round number, fifty times in a season. How many of them are on him? Fifteen or twenty? Okay, maybe that's significant. You know, maybe the thirty percent. I don't. I don't know what the percentage is. You know, I could go back and and start breaking down. I'm not going to do it. Right. But I just. I just promise you, there's a lot of there's a lot of those. Well. Listen, the coaching staff wouldn't be pissed. Like, the reports are they're pissed. The organization's pissed, right? Would they be pissed if he was right? They may be upset that he said it, but upset with themselves that they haven't fixed it. They're pissed because they're like, hey, you know what? Click in, Russ. You take a lot of sacks on your own because of the extending of plays and trying to make something out of nothing, right? I mean, come on. How many times do you see Brady with nothing open or a a, a pocket quarterback just throw it away? Lived to fight times, another day. Yeah. How many times do you see Peyton? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Self-sack. 
Yeah, or just throw it out, throw yeah. it out of bounds, and let's let's move on and let's let's play again. Russell will will keep all those things alive, and he makes a lot of big plays there. But so I think that's I think that's the the issue why the the Seattle staff or why Pete Carroll would be pissed. I'd be pissed too. Like, dude, like let's let's I mean let's be fair here. There's a lot of things that you do that that cost us these sacks. So I don't see Watson and the Texans repairing this, but. Wilson and the Seahawks, they got too much history to not fix this, right? I think I think so. Right. But then I start I start worrying like this is so out of this is so out of it feels so out of character to me. Like who's in his ear? Who's in his ear? Right? Yeah, we had that here. We had that here with uh Carmelo Anthony, didn't we? True. And didn't you know he wasn't up uh, was Bright it, Lights in New York, yeah. Bright lights in New York and his and his wife at Lala, the time yep. wanted to be uh, you know, a a TV a reality TV star yeah. and they were gonna have a better chance to do that in a bigger market and blah blah blah. Right was, was that not yeah. the scenario yeah. that happened? Yeah, there? you're describing it to a T. And I I mean, I don't know anything about his, I know his wife is a mu- musician, and she's she's like great, like right, she's mm-hmm. awesome. But can't you imagine, like a Russell Wilson? Can't you imagine them saying, you know, it'd be a lot better for my career and, and everything else if we could go to Atlanta? Isn't that a, a hub for R and B? Sure, sure. You know, something. I, I like. I don't know, Mike. Right, but but it there just feels like there's something that is like Russell Wilson criticizing. The number of hits he takes didn't feel like Russell Wilson to me. Like it felt uncomfortable. Him saying it felt uncomfortable. Right. When I listened to the sound. Right. So I'm like, this doesn't feel like it's coming from Russ. Right. Right. That's right. what I. That's that's how I I read it. All right. Watt Watson Wilson Wentz. I mean, by all accounts, he's going to be moved. Now, what what would your message be to the team that acquires him? Uh, my message to the team that acquires him would be he is in desperate need of some big-time football rehab. He was awful last year. Awful. Um, And I, I'm talking about, Mike, I'm talking about footwork, just sloppy, flipping his hip open on everything. Um. Now he wasn't protected. Fourteen, I believe, fourteen different offensive line lineups, but a lot of things where he just wouldn't pull the trigger. He was, you know, he just was unsure. It looked like he was unsure all the time. Took fifty sacks in twelve games, and and you know some of them obviously his fault, um, but wasn't protected well. He just looked like he would. He looked like a. Like a scolded puppy, you know how you right. You, you know how you scold your puppy when you whack the newspaper across the nose, right? When you <laughs> when you're potty training the puppy, and then the the puppy kind of gets in the corner and piddles a little bit. Right. It's just scared, you know. Like you raise your voice to the puppy, and that that's what he looked like a a puppy that piddled in the corner of the room. That's what he looked like to me, and and that that there's. Now you go to Indy, right? You go right. to Indy, and you got an offensive line you like a lot. A good old line and a good running game, and you take some of that pressure off of him. And you know, I think I think that could be a decent fit. But I think you're you're going to have to kind of break down all the mechanics and rebuild the quarterback. So I, I think that's I think that's a Wentz thing. Well, like 
I think there's a a few like Indy makes Indy makes the most sense to me. Philip Rivers retired, ready made playoff team. Protection would be good. A run game. I, I, one thing about Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson, you know, the former offensive, uh, you know, the head, the head coach, coach and, yeah. and really the play caller. Doug, former quarterback in the league, Doug doesn't want to run the ball. Um, I just I just think that that's a better fit for Carson. But I think there's a, a real live football rehab, mechanical rehab that has to go. That, okay. That's got to that's be done. So he was sacked. 50 times in 12 games. Yes. All right, I'm going to go back to your your Wilson debate. Uh-huh. All right, of those 50 sacks, how many were on him? I mean, you're talking – I mean, that's that's right. four sacks a game. Yeah. I, I would I would say – I would say that there's – I would probably put 20 of them on him. Oof. Like, he just won't pull the trigger. Um, he's – you know, I just is like th- – now. Well, maybe not quite that many because there was a lot of receiver issues too, where guys didn't realize, you know, guys not getting their head around their hot. Like, like there's a there was a lot of stuff that went down in Philly last year. That the, the film was ugly in right, Philly. Right, right, right. Just let you know. All right, so there are your W's. I guess I could add one more. Okay, uh, Dak Prescott, no W there. Although I'd say the whole situation's whack to me. I mean, just right. What's What's whack, take, what's, whack Prescott. What's taking so long? They just don't want to pay. They, they don't want to pay him. They don't want to pay him. So is he going to be a free agent? Because, or is he going to be franchise tag and then dealt? Because Troy Aikman, no less an authority than Troy Aikman, came out and said, look, if they try to put the franchise tag on him, that's the last you'll see of Dak in, in Dallas. They never wanted to pay him the going rate. I think the big issue to me for them was they kept trying to lowball him, kept trying to say, hey, take the hometown discount, and they kept releasing the negotiation publicly. One thing I know, players or agents of players don't release contracts that they have no intention of signing. Organizations do it all the time because they'll, they'll put it out there and go, look, this great contract, it's the most money ever you know, up front, but and and they actually pit the, the their own fan base against the player right. to put pressure on them. Remember, they did it in Washington when um, when the general manager at the time kept calling Kirk Cousins Kurt Cousins. Look at we gave Kurt the uh, biggest contract of all, and it was all you know the, you, as you dig into the contract, right. it's monopoly money. Right. They play the game because they they know they come in below what the real market value is. But they throw the number out there so that their fans will say, "Wow, right? Well, Can you I'm believe hard, how selfish?" I mean, I I work. I, I'm lucky to get by on fifty thousand dollars a year, and this guy's turning down this much money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the nerve of them! I mean, yeah, you're right. It's right. tried and true. Right. So they do it all the time, and they did it to Dak, and Dak was like, "Up yours, I'm not taking it." And um, and good for Dak. I, I just I think I I'm a real big Dak fan. I think Dak is a hell of a football player. Um. It would be so Dallas to to lose him. It'd be so Dallas to just it would not, be, wouldn't it? Right. It would. It would actually make my day. <laughs> I hope he goes somewhere else. Uh, once, once in the NFC East, always in the yes, NFC East. Absolutely. Right?
Hey, for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, we thank you so much for listening. Please share with a friend. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, also, I want you to check out um, monarchmeds.com. Enter promo code STINK. Check out the relief spray and the relief cream. I'm telling you, it is awesome. Also, Superbook for America's Best Bet. Check them out, superbook.com. For Mike, myself, for Scott, thank you so much. We'll be back with you next week.